What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game podcast. Short intro here as I am uh, going to bring on a locker room chat we did. And I think we figured it out with this one. The other ones were fine, but I think I figured out how to tie in the uh, speakers and the hosts and to keep it moving. Uh, we basically did a four-topic show. We wanted four pro wrestling topics in 60 minutes. We called it Pro Wrestling Potpourri. And we had people from the Fight Game Media website. We had people from the Fight Game Media Network Patreon. And then we had people who were listening, people from our Facebook group, and people just from Locker Room. So I thought it, this one was kind of the one that, that uh, felt like we had sort of figured out the right way to do these shows. So hopefully uh, everyone agrees who are, who is listening. But again, you know, if, if you have any thoughts or feedback, gg at fightgamemedia.com. Uh, only a couple things I want to mention before I throw it to the locker room show. Um, we did a Q&A with uh, Big Dave Meltzer and all the questions come from people either on the Patreon or in the Facebook group. And that was a lot of fun. Lots of really cool stories that, uh, you know, he's not really going to tell those stories necessarily uh, or be at ease to tell those stories unless he's talking to someone that he really knows. So that's the advantage that we have is that he and I uh, are pretty good friends. So, uh, you know, we're, we, we get him to talk about things that he probably doesn't talk about on other shows. Um, so that's up in the Patreon Um Patreon.com front slash fight game media. It's in the $7.99 tier. And we did get some new subscribers recently based off of that show. So thank you to all who have joined newly. Uh, and also, I just wanted to shout out uh, another podcast on this Blue Wire Network Top Rope Nation, Ryan Drosty, um, and others, uh, Kyle and, and, those guys have been doing shows uh, for the last couple years now, and uh, they just hit show number 200. So congratulations to them. I know how hard it is to keep doing this, to try and increase the listenership, to try and engage the audience, to try and get you know new, new listeners who uh, may be one and done to stick around. So those guys have been doing it for 200 episodes, and I really want to congratulate them. Check out their stuff. Top Rope Nation. You can find them everywhere. You can find them uh, on Twitter and, and Instagram and everything through that name as well. But just wanted to shout those guys out. 200 episodes. Great job, guys. And I can't wait to see you hit another 200 uh, and get to that 400 number in the next couple of years. Okay. Not gonna, not gonna do too too much more here. Just want to throw it to the locker room chat that we had. Here are the topics, just so you know. We talked about Maki Ito and the AEW Japanese women. We talked about WWE Fastlane, which is coming up this weekend. We talked about the AEW versus NXT and the Wednesday Night War possibly ending, and kind of tried to figure out you know, how that affects both companies. And then lastly, we talked about the New Japan Cup. We gave our predictions for where we are right now. I guess we are almost in the semifinals. Uh, there's a couple there a couple more quarterfinals matches to go. Um, but uh, then we give our feedback. So you'll hear from myself. You'll hear from Justin Nipper. You'll hear from Parker Klein. Paul Fontaine uh, had some stuff to do, but he called in from the road. Uh, so he was on. Uh, you hear Jeremy Finestone. You hear Chris Aiken, who uh, he doesn't have a podcast on the Patreon, but he does write for the website. Uh, and Andy Marshall, who who is uh, who does both on the Patreon and for the website. So lots of really cool people. Uh, Carlos Toro came on too. Uh, people know him from the boxing pound for pound podcast on the Patreon, but he also writes uh, wrestling stuff for Fightful. So all in all, great time was had. So uh, let's toss it to the show now. Okay, so um, thanks to everybody who's here. We are uh, going to talk. We're going to do something a little different. In the past, I've just tried to host a show as you would host a show, but I want to be a little bit specific on this one. We have four topics that we want to talk about. 
And those four topics are going to be the AEW women, specifically Maki Ito, who seems to be extremely polarizing right now. We'll do that for about 12 to 15 minutes. Then we're going to jump on uh, WWE Fastlane. If we can get uh, Andy on, Andy Marshall, who writes for us, uh, he wanted to talk about Fastlane. Then we'll talk about AEW uh, Dynamite and WWE NXT, sort of the ending of the Wednesday Night War, if that is happening and, and what that means. And then the last segment, we'll talk about New Japan Cup. Now, I'll have, I admit, I'm still backlogged. I think I've begun watching the second round so i know the results so we'll have you know we'll just talk about sort of the booking and how the tournament has been so far and we'll be done we'll be out of here by by six or by nine depending on where you are or i guess central time is a little bit different but um but yeah so let's kick it off and let's talk about i want to bring up i already brought up uh parker and justin but let's talk about Maki ito let's talk about the aw women they they had the japanese women's side of the tournament uh, Japanese woman won. Maki Ito seemed to be, I don't know, more more polarizing than Orange Cassidy when AEW first started. It was weird just to just to uh, hear all of the back and forth with the fans and the ones who were not fans of her. But uh, Justin, you were the person who told me about her. I don't know, this was a few months ago and what you thought about her. How do you feel her presentation has been so far with AEW? Well, I'm not surprised at how she's being presented. I mean, it's, it's kind of general. She's only been on a couple shows, but um, it's what I expected what would happen. And if she had a crowd, it'd be a completely different story, too. And that's not to say that's not like regardless of what I think of her or anybody thinks of her. Uh, she's over with people. People really like her and the people that like her really like her and the people that don't like her really don't like her because she's not orthodox at all because she's bringing uh, a new sort of thing to fans that apparently want it. And we were kind of talking about this a little bit yesterday on the Facebook uh, group, Fight Game Media Facebook group, and we were talking about how fans started to sort of, in general, at least in North America, started to change a little bit, or, or their values shifted. And you were talking about at the uh, maybe eight nine years ago, the night after WrestleMania, that the one that you were talking about about how uh, people were singing the Fandango song, it was the kind <laughs> of famous one. But it was you mentioned Garrett that this is where you really felt personally. You felt like there was a disconnect between you and the other mainstream fans of what they wanted. Right. I think this is an extension of that of that sentiment. No, I think it's a good point. Now that doesn't mean that. I'm some highbrow pro wrestling fan and no, this no. is <laughs> lowbrow. That's not what I what I what I meant. But basically what Justin's talking about is so WrestleMania 31, it's in uh, Santa Clara. We have tickets the next day for Raw and I go to that Raw show. I I was frustrated with that Raw show anyways cuz there wasn't anything that really surprising or shocking happened. But what was happening is is that a lot of the fans who were there live, they were catcalling the women, the the divas. And so some of this is absolutely 100% WWE's fault, right? They promoted their women in a way that that was specific to something like this. Um and and that and that's what happened. And so but I, I was really frustrated with the fan base and I just thought, you know, wow, here I am, and at that point, I was uh, I was in my late thirties. Still, I was like, "Wow, you know, has has the pro wrestling? Do I have less in common with who WWE wants their you know pro wrestling audience to be?" And I, I think there was some something to that. Um, I, I I still think there is something to that, but I don't think I'm outside of, of that audience either. I think I kind of have like one foot in and one foot out based on, you know, sort of my tastes, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. And I want to ask Parker because I'm sure Parker, you were someone who's had to explain <laughs> Maki Ito to fans who don't know her probably more than anybody else. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe you and Justin are probably the two people, but had like, you've seen it from both ends, right? You've seen it from people who really love her. You've seen it from people who hate her. How do you feel she's been presented? And also how do you think she actually did in her, in her matches? 
So I think she's been presented closer to her online persona, uh, which is like this sort of like sa- sailor mouthed, you know, really, really cute girl, um, as opposed to her actual like Tokyo Joshi Pro persona, which is the company she signed to in Japan, which is more of a, I mean, she still does some of the, you know, the, the cute idol stuff, but she is presented as more of a legitimate in-ring threat and is just like a regular member of the roster over there. Um, so she's definitely been promoted sim- more similar to that online presence. Um, I think she's done, I would say she's done well. I mean, she's done about as I, about as well as I expected her to. Um, she had that good match with uh, Mizunami in the tournament. She was great in that six-woman tag um, that was from Japan. And then she had a couple rough performances with her first two in the United States. But then I thought the match with Riho yesterday was very good as well. So I think she's done just fine. Um, my The interesting thing is I, I think – if you're a huge fan of in-ring wrestling like me mm-hmm. and you see this person come in and you haven't seen her before and all you saw were those two performances on in, in the States, you think, wow, this is like the worst wrestler I've ever seen. <laughs> and, and I've seen like a high, really high profile wrestling media people like say that sentiment. Yeah. And to me, it's a, it's a little frustrating, even as somebody who I personally am not a fan of the character at all. Like it doesn't do anything for me. It is at the same time frustrating for me. Who's watched may, probably 95% of Maki Ito's career matches mm-hmm. um, to say that she's terrible is just not a, it's not accurate. She's a, she's a fine wrestler. I'd say she's middle of the pack in her company uh, for Tokyo Joshi Pro, which is a, a decent standard. So um, I, I I think she's done okay with what she has. And I completely agree with Justin that, and a lot of people are saying this, when crowds come back, she's going to really, really get over and AEW is just going to have to keep bringing her back as much as they possibly can. Okay, she's an uh, entertainer, first and foremost. I think yes. people need to understand her in that context. There's, and like you're saying, Parker, a lot of the stuff that she does in Tokyo Joshi Pro, it's so context-based. It's so, it's so um, it could be topical or it could be really Japanese. And it's, those type of things are not going to translate within 10 minutes in a debut segment on a, either a pay-per-view or a Wednesday night show. It'll take time for people that don't accept her right now to accept her because she's coming into it as like you said, entertainer first wrestler, not second. And like you're saying, she's not the worst wrestler in the world. Of course not, but it's new and it's been, she's been doing this thing in Japan and a lot of other girls have been doing similar gimmicks in Japan for years. It's, you know, after a few years, if this continues to get over, we won't be talking about it as much anymore. It's just a new change. All right. I want to give Jeremy a chance to chime in really quickly here, but I'll go back to what Parker said about, is she the worst? Cause I posed this question to John LaRocca on our podcast last week, which we did on locker room. And I think if you come from the point of a fundamental, like what is a fundamental thing for a wrestler to do? A punch is really <laughs> fundamental, yeah. right? Um, and, and so she has really bad punches. The, the, the microphone thing to, um, to, to the head of a re, uh, Hood, Hood, Ashida, right? Uh, that, that looked yeah. really poor. So when you look at it from that perspective, I think people who go, yeah, she's terrible. Uh, I think you can go by those couple of things and make your, you know, analysis there because that is such a fundamental thing to do in pro wrestling. So I sort of get it now. I, I wouldn't even, I couldn't even take a guess as far as, you know, who's the worst or whatever. Like somebody said today that uh, Lana is worse than Maki to like, you know, they're both not great. So uh, in the ring, you know, but they both have great personalities at the same time. Like um, Lana you watch her on TikTok or on Instagram and you go, my God, what a star. And you watch her mm-hmm. inside a WWE ring and you go, oh, man, she's really bad. So, you know, it's, it's a couple of different things. But, Jeremy, go ahead and unmute yourself and you can chime in before we move on to the next topic. And if anybody in the in the room wants to quickly chime in on this, just let me know by uh, raising your hand. But we're going to we're, we're going to keep it tight. and We're going to move on to the next topic shortly. I'd like to uh, I'd like to point out that Jeremy Maki, you know, can you hear me? I can hear you, Jeremy. I cannot hear Jeremy. I'd like to point out that Maki Ito 
the ball is in her court to. All right, uh, I'm actually gonna uh, um, pause, Jeremy, because I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. Let's see if I can hear um, Aaron, because I know Aaron wanted to talk about this. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if you guys are hearing me. No, I can hear you. Go for it. <laughs> oh, great, yeah. great. Okay, so this is like the first time I used this app. Uh, but uh, first of all, just want to say, been a in the group for I guess like nine months. So it's uh, you know, I've only talked to David outside of the group, but uh, it's good to finally talk to you guys. So just want to throw that out there. First of awesome. all, love the group. Welcome. Thank you. Yes. So um, yeah. So I posted something. I'm sure some of you guys saw. Maybe some of you commented on it um, about Maki Ito. Uh, you know, I have my feelings about her and sort of what I sort of. You know, I basically kind of said, in short, that I would not really, I would be very okay with not really seeing her back on AEW. However, I have a strong feeling that she will be back um, at some point and that, you know, I just didn't necessarily see her appeal. And I think, you know, there are definitely a, a variety of wrestlers that I think definitely do get over on their character. Um, I think she could definitely be one. I think it's also kind of hard to judge given the pandemic situation, which wrestlers really over. And I think sometimes in our group and sometimes, we, you know, in other wrestling forums, we talk about who's over and who's not over. But I feel like it's very hard, um, especially when you're not traveling to different cities, when you're not in front of a live audience to, to really tell that. Um, oftentimes, especially when you only see someone maybe once or, or twice on TV. Um, so I know I didn't comment on that part specifically, but that's something that I kind of have noticed a little bit in our group discussions when we talk, oh, this wrestler's over, this segment's over. And sometimes I say, okay, like I might have enjoyed it, but I don't know if masses of people enjoyed it or if it's just the paid you know, wrestlers and, in, 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 you know, when it comes to AEW. So I just kind of wanted to start off there. And of course, uh, thank you guys for, uh, you know, allowing me to speak here. Well, Aaron, when you bring that up about talking about wrestlers being over, it, it, particularly when we're talking about Maki Ito right now, listen, we're all, we kicked off the show talking about her and whether she's over or not, I guess that could be subjective because of the time and the pandemic and, and such, but we're talking about her. That mm. means something. It means she's doing something. She's affecting people and she's in front and what, whether we like it or not, whether I like it or not, whether you like it or not, it means she's creating friction within the company and it sparks that they need to get people to come back to want to see something different. And I think that's the key is the difference. We want to see something different. She's very, very, very different from what we're used to on North American television. And I think that's the appeal. All right. Let's, uh, let, let's bring on Des real quick. Uh, Aaron, I'm going to take you out of, uh, out of the speaking mode, but if you have any other thoughts on some of the topics that we're going to get to, then just raise your hand and I'll bring you right back up. Yeah. Um, but Des, what's going on, man? Hey, thank you so much for doing this, Garrett. And it's really good to be here with all the wrestling fans um, on Locker Room. Um, I'm not a a crazy fan of of Maki Ito in general, but I am a big fan of AEW taking the gamble and presenting her as a character. Um, There is is, uh, just something to presenting something to wrestling fans that's so different. Um, that WWE uh, that we never see anymore because it's such a, I always call it just like a big wall of sameness. AEW does a great job of introducing these Orange Cassidy's and even now this Maki Ito where, where I think the, the real question is going to be not whether or not does she come back because I think uh, she's a given. I mean, we opened the show talking about her. I think a lot of people are reacting to her. I think the question is, will they bring her back and have her work out work in singles, full on matches, or will they be able to use her strength, which in my view is her, her entrance, her performance and using that and maybe just hiding her in like an eight man tag or something like that. I think that would be the best use of her. And I think she's actually a great, a great thing for the TV audience, millennials, my generation and um, the generation Z kids. I mean, we love this stuff of, of these, uh, very memorable pageantry filled performances that we can, uh, share with our friends in little viral clips. And, uh, that, that ended up, uh, her performance, my, this is my last, my last bit here, her performance, um, this past Wednesday that ended with that, 
weird microphone shot was uh, my fiance's favorite part of the whole show. Just uh, <laughs> the, the wild, the, the weird stark contrast of this little little lady singing while this fight is going on around her. Or, or it, it was a it, it was a great thing, and I think moments like that are going to be essential to AEW capturing a younger audience in the long run. That's great. It's great feedback. It really is because you know you have a perspective that is different from. I would say what the norm of what pro wrestling perspective is and what we're not accounting for, at least I think, is that WWE has been so dominant for the last 20 years and even going further back, right? WCW and WWF at the time were different. But then once WCW wanted to to play the game and fight the war, they had to become more WWE-like than WWE was. And so we've had a really same, same American wrestling style for a while. So that's a great point. We're going to move on though, because um, Andy is going to jump on. Andy, you can unmute. I want it. We flipped around segments. I wanted to talk about fast lane in, in our second segment here, because you are our main WWE writer. You're still yeah. watching most of the television. You're you know, covering uh, the the recap shows with um, with Keela, break it down on the Fight Game Media Patreon. So yes. let's talk about Fastlane. Fastlane is this weekend. Oh boy, yes. Um, Look, uh, I looked at the card. The card, like in the ring, looks like it should be okay. It looks like it should be pretty good. And I feel like the lack of greatness uh, of the television show, I guess mostly Raw is maybe souring people on this show a little bit. Yeah. Raw was pretty brutal. I, I think the card itself actually expanded tremendously after last night's show, because um, when Keela and I first went and checked out um, the card, it was really just the women's tag uh, Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan and Biggie versus Apollo. So this, we've got Drew McIntyre and Sheamus again. Uh, we have Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon, and then we have Alexa bliss and Randy Orton yeah. added to the mix. I, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I I'm interested to see what they're doing with Alexa and Randy. Um, I have not been a fan of the Alexa bliss as fiend, facsimile um but hey uh randy's gonna get a big wrestlemania match out of it we'll, we'll see where that goes um shane mcmahon and braun Strowman has the potential to be an all-time stinker of a match i i don't want to see any more of this than i already have and this is probably going to carry over to wrestlemania uh he literally slimed the man on television <laughs> i i don't know where to go with that you know <laughs> Yeah. Did you so, say I don't know? So, so here's what's interesting, right? Is um, I, I think most of us have seen the photos and maybe Twitter clips on it, and and my initial assumption was, God, how stupid can they be? But I didn't even watch, so I'm like basing my assumption on just a, a photo or or a video. You tell me, like, was it any better than? what one steel picture told me? Oh, absolutely not. Uh, you, that's all you need are the thousand words that picture is going to give you. Uh, yeah, Justin said it, uh, Braun, Braun, Braun Strowman can't do that on television. Um, he, <laughs> I got you what, what, qu quickly. Just if you are on stage and you're not talking yet, just mute. Cause something's going on in the background. Yeah, It sounds like somebody's here. cooking dinner. All right, there we go. Go for it, Andy. I thought it was a dog. I was like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, yeah. The Shane McMahon, Braun Strowman. Uh, no, uh, you've gotten everything you need to know. Uh, Shane has been awful on the mic. He's been nervous for some reason, considering he has 20 plus years of television experience. Um, he, he's fumbled through everything. Braun Strowman has been honestly carrying this. I, I don't know if it seems weird that Shane McMahon would get involved with a, a program that he doesn't want to do, but it, it almost seems like he doesn't want to do it. And Braun Strowman has been to this point, a very good soldier for WWE. He goes out there and he does what they ask him to do, whether it's flip over an ambulance or lose to Roman Reigns over and over again. He has or been run to the ring when it looks absolutely painful for him to run. Oh yeah, they're they're just grinding those knees down to dust. <laughs> that poor dude. He's so yeah. huge. And his knees look like they're shot and they force him to run all the time. Yeah, I mean he how much more weight is he carrying than say like El Igante was? You know, he's know. he's a big, big guy. Um 
Yeah, they have him running all around now. Yeah, his gimmick is that he's a train now too. So I don't mean right. to talk too much about Braun Strowman either. If we we can definitely leave that behind. So I wanted to bring on Charles because Charles had a, a comment or a question about this show. Charles, you can unmute. And Jeremy, try to unmute as well, and maybe we'll see if we can hear you after uh, Charles. Yeah. Hey, fellas. I, I, you know, this whole fast lane thing, um, you know, they actually surprised me at the Rumble. I think the, the ending of the Rumble uh, where everyone's sitting there thinking Orton's going to come back and win for sure. I kept telling my son for an hour, watch what happens, watch what happens. He's going to come back and win. And then Edge wins the Rumble. And so to me, that was good. But everything past that point in time leading up to Mania to me has just made no sense. I mean, Braun Strowman, at least throw the guy a bone. And, and, you know, I feel bad for my kids, younger kids. They love him. He's a big, lovable guy, never gets a shot. And so to see Shane McMahon come back in the picture, you know, he's got the meat sweats every time he has the mic. That's one. <laughs> and I, you, you really get the feeling like his father told him, hey, guess what? We need you back on TV because this just isn't working, right? There's he's a draw. Right, right. And so, I mean, I'm pumped for Mania. I think they'll they'll put on a good show. I enjoyed last year's, even though it was, you know, the 100% virtual setup in Tampa. Uh, but this fast lane pay per view is just a it's just a just a bump on the road, I guess. But I feel bad for Braun. Andy, any thoughts? I mean, yeah, the less Shane on my television, the better. He's very red and and oh, just. It, Braun Strowman always seems to get the uh, the short end of the stick every year Mania comes around too. You know he did team up with a nine year old. Um, uh, what else has he done? Uh, I'm blanking beat right Goldberg. now. Oh, that's you know that's true. He did beat Goldberg in front of no one. Um, which yeah, uh, <laughs> I mean, wait, count- wait, is that Jeremy's music playing? Is that Jeremy? Did I hear him? <laughs> I made a run in. All right, good job. All right, go ahead. Finish your. I, I interrupted you. Sorry, Andy. Oh no, it's all good. Uh, yeah, just uh, Braun. Now he's feuding with Shane McMahon. Although I do think that's normally a harbinger of good. Um, you know, Miz did it. He got a week, two week long world title run out of it. Uh, Kevin Owens seems to be like he's uh, at least around the top of the card, even though they're not going to commit to him going over Reigns. But I think it, it generally it's a good thing to be feuding with the son of the company. AJ Styles certainly used it to great aplomb um, after his feud, uh, WrestleMania feud with Shane. Or, uh, Shane McMahon. So hopefully it's a net positive for Braun, but uh, if he's going to fall into that big show role of just big guy who is easily outsmarted, it's not really going to be a lot of world title runs in his future. All right. If, if anybody who's not on stage uh, has a question or a comment about Fastlane before we move on, we'll move on here in a second to the next topic. But uh, Jeremy, I did want you to chime in since we can hear you now. Thank you, Garrett. Andy, um, we're looking at Fastlane, and it has all the makings of one of those transitional pay-per-views. We're really just a thoroughfare on the WrestleMania. So with that said, when you're watching the show, what matches do you think are going to be the most entertaining on the way to Mania? Uh, I think the Drew one has potential, but are there any other matches that you feel like have that potential of extra watchability? Oh, I mean, I do not need to be convinced to watch Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan uh, square off. I think that's going to be a barn burner. Um, I, my sleeper pick, I, I Drew and Sheamus are going to beat the crap out of each other. That's just a fact. And I, you know, I like a, a good strong style match and Sheamus can really lay it in there and so can McIntyre. But Biggie and Apollo, um, what they're doing with the Apollo, Apollo Crews right now um you know, he's only really shown us about maybe, I don't know, 15% of what he can do in, in the ring. Um, and if this new edge to his character, a new character is going to allow us to see some of that, I think him and Big E can put on a really great match. So um, that I think is going to be the sleeper pick at the night for sure. Do you think they do a title change or do you think they do a non-finish and escalate to WrestleMania? That's a great question. Uh, I, my pick for the match would be Big E retains, um, but uh, it, it would kind of be a bit stymieing to this new new edge for Apollo. So I, I ultimately do think they're going to keep going with Big E, especially because I just don't see him factoring into if they're going to add anyone to the Roman Reigns edge match, it will probably be Daniel Bryan. 
just because of his proximity to their feud so far. And it might be the closest thing we get to a Daniel Bryan edge one-on-one match as well. So also it's someone there for Roman Reigns to beat who is an edge or edge to beat that isn't Roman Reigns. So, um, okay. La- last question on this topic and then we'll move to the next topic and we're going to bring uh, Chris and uh, Carlos on. Um, the the question is from, from uh, Daniel, who's in our in, in our chat room. He said, "Do you think that Shane and Braun will carry over to Mania? Because it sounded like you 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 were you're thinking that this is actually <clears throat> going to be uh, all the way through to Mania." Oh, absolutely. They'll have something like an ambulance match or a throw your opponent off a bridge match or something really dumb that has a big violent stipulation. Because or it'll be a slime match, I'm sure. Uh, or like the mimosa mayhem match in AEW. It's just, you got to throw your opponent in a big bag in a big vat of slime. So uh, hopefully we'll see Shane get slimed. I, I assume that the logical conclusion of all of this is we see Shane slimed on television. In, all right. To some degree. A- Andy, uh, you can hang out with us. Cause this we're, we're, we're going to focus on uh, AEW yeah, absolutely. and NXT. Um, but I wanted to bring Chris on and uh, also Carlos, you, you can unmute if you are available to speak. So uh, I, I guess the, the third topic tonight is, you know, if this move from uh, Wednesday night to Tuesday night happens for AEW and I and, and it sounds I mean, uh, not AEW, NXT, and it sounds like it's going to happen. But then there's this little wrinkle as far as. What happens if if Comcast or uh, NBC Sports doesn't get the second half of of the NHL package? But it seems like they're probably going to get it. So uh, I, I don't I don't know what the if it's sixty forty that this move to Tuesday is actually going to happen. But I wanted to get your guys's perspective. And Chris, we'll start with you because you write the preview for uh, for the website a, a the the Wednesday Night War preview. And now we're not going to really have it, you know, in a few weeks now. So it's kind of a bummer. But do you think? A lot of people think that this is really good for both companies. To me, as a wrestling fan, I think I am less interested in NXT. And I I probably still have the same interest in AEW, but it's not going to be as fun. Like, where do you stand on this whole thing on whether it's good or not for uh, for the, the, the wrestling industry? Well, for me personally, I'm going to enjoy it because I've never got to watch AEW live. Because I'm always doing the NXT recap for uh, for F4W, so for me that's going to be fun. But I'm kind of with you in that I think the interest in NXT might drop off um, compared to I think AEW is going to be fine, and it may even it may even gain some more interest without competition. But there's all the other competition though that's on TV at the time. But that is what it is. But I think NXT there's just not. It's not going to be as fun, really, to watch them. There's, there's not as much. It's going to be two hours, two more hours, right after a three-hour Monday Night Raw. The night That's before. true. Very true. And I don't know. I've dropped off on watching the main roster, and I try to watch here and there sometimes, but it's just it's just no fun, really. I don't um, bless their heart for all the people that have to cover it and watch it all three hours. But then, you, then on top of that, the next night you're going to add two more hours of that. Um, at least before you had that buffer, you had Tuesday – of where if you're a WWE fan and you happen to watch NXT also, you you might not be watching Impact and all that. You know, you're not as hardcore. The mm-hmm. hardcore fans, it don't matter. I think they're going to watch whatever night it's on. Um, but speaking of Impact, I think they're the ones that the real collateral damage in this. I don't know if they move or they stay. They got to move, right? They got to like move yeah, to Thursday or something. Yeah, 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 Thursday. And then then there's wrestling on um, basically on on cable every night of the week then. Yeah. And if you're counting the Ring of Honor on the weekends and, and, and syndication, which is crazy to think about, but but it's it's fun too. It's it's nice to be a wrestling fan. You got so much to choose from. Jeremy's taking an informal poll in the chat about what fans want as far as wh- where they want to see NXT move to. I preferably, as a fan, I want them to stick on Wednesday. I'll admit it'll be easier to cover both of them if it's on Tuesday, though. But I just I just like the I like the momentum. I like the energy for Wednesday night sort of, you know, Wednesday night became wrestling night, even for me, you know, more than Monday. So, um, all right. So, uh, I want to ask Carlos cause Carlos follows the ratings, uh, very closely. I know you've been doing rating stuff, I think for fightful Carlos about Wednesday night. When you look at those ratings, can you in your mind predict what you think the benefit is 
for both companies in moving nights? I think for AEW, obviously less competition on the wrestling side is almost a guarantee for the ratings to get up higher, even if it's just a little bit. And if you really think about it, you compare how things were by this um, by April of last year. The ratings and the viewership for AEW was not great. I mean, from April all the way through last year's Fighter Fest, the viewership was not great at all. It was in the mid six hundred thousands to low seven hundred thousands. This year, I think they're going to be a little bit better off. For NXT, I really worry about them because I think part of the allure, as you mentioned, Wednesday nights became wrestling nights. Yeah. And for fans of NXT that gotten so used to watching NXT on Wednesdays, now you're essentially telling those same fans that you're going to have to reprogram your viewing habits to adjust to it now being on Tuesday nights. And not every fan is going to be able to. To make that adjustment, and and I believe I think on Tuesday nights there's NBA on national TV, so that's another potential uh, issue that you're gonna have to deal with because I mean the NBA is still a pretty highly rated when you compare it to everything else on cable. Whenever they're on, whether it's on ESPN or on TNT, so for NXT it's a much bigger hill. To climb, it's a it's a more it's a bigger uphill battle to deal with. I think AEW is going to really capitalize on those first couple of shows after NXT moves to Tuesday. Assuming they move to Tuesdays, I predict they're going to load up that first show when they're unopposed uh, with NXT with like almost a pay per view caliber uh, card because those are usually the type of Shows that does pretty decent numbers. Winter is coming, if I remember correctly, did pretty darn well in the ratings. So it's a it has been kind of a recipe for success as far as AEW's ratings uh, for making those type of shows, especially when they want to take advantage of NXT when they're down. So I think NXT is gonna uh, NXT is gonna have a lot of trouble, especially early on in making their adjustment from Wednesday to Tuesday nights. Uh, if anybody wants to chime in on the topic of AEW and NXT, uh, go ahead and click that speaker request button and we'll throw you on. But uh, just to continue, since we do have uh, Chris and Carlos on, um, Chris, what do you think of what Carlos said about, you know, it may could it could be bad for NXT, actually, because competition could be coming in different directions. And, you know, they, they benefited possibly from this this Wednesday night uh, attraction. I think that's a really good point. And um, like I said, especially after we were just talking about you got raw three hours the night before on the same the same channel, basically, then you're then there's two more the next night and. I think it will benefit NXT creatively, though, because hopefully they can focus on themselves now and not trying to counter-program. And maybe the creatively they may be a little better because I think they've suffered since they went on uh, USA. Um, and But, yeah, definitely the interest, I think, is going to be less there because what – I mean, what's really the – the point of watching NXT, unless you're just a hardcore wrestling fan, I mean, there's not really, there's no Monday night, I mean, Monday night war. Um, there's no Wednesday night war. And um, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see where the numbers go, to see if, if each show gets more than they were on, on Wednesday, or if maybe they stay the same, or I don't know, it kind of will show how much of an audience there, there is out there for wrestling. No, uh, yeah, and that that's a that's a good idea. But the thing that you know <laughs> that that Carlos said that uh, no, I think, I think it was maybe you said that kind of just just a little bit of a uh, it stuck with me, which is the fact that there will be wrestling on TV every single every day, day of the week. Now, now yeah. because of how we watch this stuff, right? I watch a lot of this stuff on DVR. I'm watching other stuff. I probably do have some sort of wrestling thing on every day, whether it's in the background or whether I'm researching something. So that is not that big of a surprise, but just the idea that, you know, think of how this was when we were kids, right? When we were younger, literally I had the weekend syndication stuff, um, primetime wrestling and uh, WCW Saturday night 
you know, with uh, there were some other things that you could kind of watch depending ESPN had stuff during the day, which was usually old stuff. And so there was a lot, but it was almost like you had to go out of your way to watch it. And now it's almost like they're just throwing it at you. And we don't really, we can't even get to all of it now because it's, it's so much. So it's such an interesting time period for us. But I think uh, Paul, who is, uh, he is one of the hosts along with Parker uh, on, uh, on the, uh, the AEW dynamite show. Uh, he wants to chime in. He, I think he's on a date. He's like with the wife. So I hope we don't, we're not getting Paul in trouble here by, by bringing him on. Paul, what's up? I I hope we're not third wheeling him. Hey, I hope uh, I hope you can hear me okay. Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, Paul, you're a gangster. Yeah, well, I'm driving, but I uh, I got Bluetooth. Right, so dirty. Okay. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was just listening to Carlos, and I had no idea that Carlos did the rating stuff. That's kind of cool. I should be talking to him more about it. But I feel <laughs> a little bit differently. Like, I think what's going to happen is, I, I, he's right. Like they're going to load up the first show and maybe even the first few shows, but eventually I think this is going to hurt NXT ratings wise. I, I don't know about creatively. It depends on how seriously they, you know, they take it. And, but I just, I'm worried that it's going to become an afterthought. I definitely think it's going to help AEW. Um, and then I also wonder like when the new show comes, like, would, do they put it on Tuesday to counter program or that's interesting. That is very yeah. interesting. So, but I do like, I prefer Wednesday, like you, Garrett. Like, I'm like, I like the idea of a Wednesday Night Wars, and I think it's been a lot of fun following it. And I just feel like, I don't know, maybe I'll be out of a job if we're not comparing ratings. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, I think, I think there'll still be a lot of interest in the ratings. Uh, I, I do worry a little bit, though, if. Vince stops caring as much about the brand because he's not being able to weaponize it to go against the other show. And if he does stop caring, does that mean it's just like Triple H, just do what you're doing. We still get money for the show, you know, for the for the hour or the two hours. And and, and it's really hands off from Vince. And that might be to the to the betterment of the show. Uh, But yeah, that'll be an interesting thing for us to kind of uh, to kind of catch creatively. Uh, Creatively, yeah, but maybe not ratings-wise, because they wouldn't be sending main roster people. Like, right. Say what you the want. Like, Nia and Shayna made a difference in the ratings. Um, you know, these, these last few weeks wouldn't have been as close as they were without them. Yeah, so. Sasha made a difference too. Sasha. Yeah. Uh, Sasha and was it Bailey too? Was there a tag match? If yep. I remember. Yeah. And Charlotte yeah. was uh, the second biggest ratings mover in NXT for all of 2020. So for the four months she was on there. The only so, one that wasn't was Edge, it was, which was an yeah. anomaly. Like, like <laughs> I don't know why Edge didn't make a difference when all those other people did. Maybe because he's not as current. They didn't I don't know. It. Well, that's true too. That's true too. They didn't yeah. announce it. Yeah. yeah. And, and and if I remember correctly, I think when NXT was a part of that Survivor Series build, the ratings were consistently high, much higher than yep. usual because of the constant main roster presence. So now I wonder, at least from a creative standpoint, if say we get to whenever they do the draft or whenever we get the Survivor Series, that maybe from a creative standpoint, maybe they feel a little bit more liberated and maybe they could re, uh, include NXT back. Or if they don't, then it's really going to be a bit of a hard sell sometimes to people who only watch the main roster and don't really care much about NXT. Absolutely. The other thing I wanted to mention is, Carlos, you mentioned that the ratings were down in April and May last year. I mean, a lot of that was when they were running QT Marshall's gym, and that, that TV was hard to watch. So yeah, those, those first shows were those first shows, first wrestling shows in general across across the landscape yeah. were a little jarring to watch. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of that, what do you guys think? How much do the ratings increase if they do when fans come back to somewhat full capacity? When you have a full crowd again, do you think that improves the ratings? For short term, I would, I was across the board. Short term, yes, but it really depends on how they do those shows. Because if it obviously people are going to be a lot very attracted to the fact that it's going to be wrestling on from like a pre-COVID environment. But if they don't do anything to sort of hook the viewers back in on a on a consistent base, basis, you know, it's going to be similar to the like a month or two after whenever 
WWE would move on to a new to the Performance Center, to the Thunderdome, where uh, ratings are going to go high for a little bit, and then it's just going to go down back to how it used to be. Um, so let's uh, let's start nudging our way to to the last topic of the show, and I think. Everyone who's on the stage can definitely uh, stay on the stage because we're all paying attention to New Japan. Um, but if anybody else who's in the audience wants to talk a little bit of New Japan, you can uh, request to speak and, and we'll throw you on. So we're just going to talk New Japan Cup for the uh, the rest of the of the uh, 15 minutes here. Our last segment. Um, let's uh, I want to see if I can bring Parker back up. Uh, because I know he's following this really closely. But um, anyways, so I guess the one thing that I just wanted to put the cap on the, the conversation w- w- to answer what Chris said, which is um, I think what's going to happen is the big shows will feel bigger. Like think about how excited we were for war games before they couldn't do it. Like I felt like that was going to be giant just because of the expectation, just thinking how that crowd's going to react um, and I think it's going to help um, AEW, obviously, a little bit more because no matter what, NXT still has to do TV out of a, a very small building and they'll make it look great. And they've done a good job of making it look great with no fans. But there is something to the live crowd and seeing, you know, 5,000 or more people. And the, also the AEW crowd in general has been very positive for them. They're able to utilize their crowd to the benefit when uh, NXT, that used to be one of the keys for NXT when when they were on the network, which is that crowd just made that product feel big. So I think that's going to help for sure. But I think it it helps AEW more than it actually helps NXT. Um, Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk New Japan Cup for the end of this show or all the way to the end of this show. So I, I think I admitted this earlier. I am not up to date on my watching, though I, I do I do know who's doing well and I do know what the score is in the bracket. But we are in the third round, um, and we still have Osprey and Sonata and Jay White and uh, Finley, and then after that, so th- those winners will face off, and then the other side, it's Evil and Shingo. How have you guys and, I, and I'll actually um, I'll ask Justin this first. How have you guys been with the tournament so far? Like, how have you felt? We we just did a New Japan Cup not too long ago because they postponed it and then they held it after they came back. But how are the matches holding up for you in comparison to past New Japan Cups, Justin? Mostly great from what I've seen. I feel like I've seen maybe like sixty or seventy five percent of the matches, and um. I'm trying to think if there have been any uh, like must-watch matches, and it seems like people still keep talking about Okada versus Shingo Takagi from maybe two weeks ago now. But um, it's I think it's great for what it is. I mean, they pretty much have a, a similar lineup to what they had last year or what they did when Evil won it last year. So um, I, I still have yet to watch some matches like Jay White versus Yoshi Tanahashi. Uh, which was said to be very good. Um, Shigo Takagi's bet, I think he's a safe bet if you want to, you don't know where to start and you want to watch and you can't watch live, just watch any of the Shingo Takagi matches from this month or last month. I mean, he's been on fire. He had a great match last night, actually, with Kenta, Corken uh, Hall, uh, the final four set up, like you said. And I think Takagi so far has been my MVP of this uh, New Japan, excuse me, New Japan Cup. Although on the other side of the bracket, Will Ospreay has delivered some very interesting and very un-Will Ospreay-like matches, I suppose you can say. Especially this great match with uh, Hiroshi, Hiroshi Tenzan, first round. Uh, he just a couple nights ago had a really, really good match with Zack Sabre Jr., a very bloody match. I think he busted his nose open or something. I don't know, but uh, we'll see what happens. It's, it's interesting to see. There, It's spiced up enough for what they can do considering the circumstances 
but um, I've been satisfied with it. I, I, again, I'm still a little behind on stuff. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's been hard for me to keep up for sure. It's just like a deluge of just rest. And from Japan, it's just not J- New Japan. There's Noah, the Keiji Muto had a match this weekend. All Japan's right. There's a lot of stuff going on. So, um, but for the most part, quality wise, the matches have been great. I also like seeing Yota Suji and Gabriel Kidd get uh, more time than usual in the ring in the New Japan Cup for this. That was nice. All right, uh, Aiken, uh, give me your thoughts uh, on the New Japan Cup so far. And then, Jeremy, you can follow up if you want to after Chris. Well, I'll preface this by saying that I'm pretty biased because New Japan is my favorite promotion. So I can stomach almost anything that they do, even even the great Okan. Um, <laughs> which, but uh, I'm kind of behind. Um, it's been hard keeping up this year. Um, it's just springtime here, and it's just busy. But... Um, but Shingo, I've been trying to keep up with Shingo because I've been pulling for him because he's one of my favorites in New Japan. He has been for a while. But I want to talk about the one match I'm looking forward to the most right now, and that's David Finley versus Jay White. Huge moment for, for David Finley, I think. Um, this is what, I guess, quarterfinals, I think. Is that, if I'm not mistaken, quarterfinal yep. match? Final four, yeah. quarterfinals, yep. Yeah, and a huge match for David. I mean, what do you guys think? Is this... David Finley's biggest match in New Japan so far? Would you- Absolutely. I ju- we haven't published it yet, but I said the same exact thing on High Tension last night, Chris. So High um, Tension, just for folks who don't know, High Tension is our weekly uh, Japanese wrestling podcast on the Fight Game Media Network Patreon, hosted by Justin, J.D. Oliva, and every other week or so, John LaRocca jumps on. So that'll be out on the Patreon tonight, tomorrow morning, depending on where you live. So, what do you guys think? You think is it possible, Jay White? I mean, I mean, does the job here and Finley goes over and advances, or do you think no way. switchblade? Yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts too. But there's that little bit, little like deep down inside my heart, I really want David Finley to win. But yeah, I don't see, especially out of um, I think who they matched up on the other side with Osprey and Osprey Sonata. Sonata. Yeah, so. I mean, that might be a good match, too, especially I'm kind of interested in that match because the way that Osprey has been working in the tournament so far, I'm really interested to see how they match up. All right, we're, we're going to bring uh, Parker on, but you can go ahead, Justin. I just wanted to uh, – I think we're going to be able to get Parker back on here. Oh, no, it's okay. No, keep going. I'm, I'm still inviting him. Oh, well, as far as Dave Fidley goes, I mean, I don't know what happened last year. We, he had a, a shoulder injury and he's out for about a year, like 2019. He came back and I don't know if anybody is following New Japan strong, but last year he, he really impressed me. And I was never a, a huge uh, proponent of Dave Finley. Uh, if anything, I would, you know, I wasn't really interested in seeing his matches after he kind of graduated from Young Lion. He was in that, uh, the early Finjuice days, but, um, he had killer matches with Kenta and I think, um, this match coming up with Jay White, I believe I'm not completely sure, but back in New Japan Strong, it, maybe three months ago or more, there was a ten man or twelve man elimination tag team match, Bullet Club versus the New Japan Strong fellows, and Jay White got a pin on Jay. Uh, excuse me, Dave Finley got a pin on Jay White. He eliminated him from the tag team tournament or tag team match. So I think they might be playing on that. And they used to be young lions together. They came up in the dojo at the same time. So there's a story for him there. His quality of wrestling is better than ever. And I think that even if he doesn't win this match, I think if it's a good match, uh, he'll quote unquote win uh, in the long run. And with fans taking him more seriously, and I, I, I'm sure it'll deliver. And this absolutely is his biggest match of his career. All right. Uh, Jeremy and then Parker, uh, you guys can, can come on next and give your thoughts on the New Japan Cup so far. And then at the end, we'll take predictions on who people think are going to win it. I, I, uh, I was just thinking that the Shingo Takagi side seems pretty obvious that it's going to be Shingo Takagi. But on the other side, I think that uh, those four – uh, including Finley, if there is a time that Jay White is going to lose a match to take him out of contention for this, it's going to be uh, right now because there's a lot of things lining up for Will Ospreay to have a clear shot at Kota Ibushi, including clearing a field 
of a number of New Japan Cup previous winners, uh, finalists for the G1. Uh, his main rival, Okada, was eliminated very early on in the tournament. So looking at it, you do have a possibility of a Will Ospreay-Jay White match that Jay White could lose, or Will Ospreay could lose, or Sonata. But because Sonata and Evil both had a pretty prominent year last year, and the Empire with Will Ospreay and Great Ocon and Jeff Cobb all had pretty significant losses at Wrestle Kingdom. There's a, something in there that makes me think that the momentum is really shifting to Will Ospreay and the Empire. So let's hope his broken nose isn't as broken as we all think it might be. Evil, evil beating Shingo would be such a tremendous troll job, by the way. I that mean, I be. think that's going to happen. I mean, I'm almost convinced that's I'm, I, I don't. I mean, that's the. I feel like that's the plan. Evil has been in the main picture since last year, and regardless of what people feel about him here, I mean, he's he's a thing in Japan for sure. And I can't see like what I see the finals happen. It's going to be Evil against Sonata, Mister New Japan Cup, or Evil versus Jay White, Bullet Club versus Bullet Club. Because while the other matches might be great, maybe you could get a Best of the Super Juniors uh, rematch with Shingo Takagi and Will Ospreay, but um, like Finley, if he has a great match, he's gained something already from the New Japan Cup. Mm-hmm. But if he beats other the three, four other guys that are in the tournament, none of those guys gain anything from it. They actually look bad. So I don't see them doing that. And we're all familiar with New Japan enough to where like they're pretty conservative with these kind of booking decisions. If you kind of look at like who is always in the picture, that's who's going to stay in the the picture. But and and here, here's something here's something that's really interesting, right? Is if Evil beats Shingo, you had Shingo matched up with Okada in the first round, and so he beats Okada, you are you going to beat him with Evil even though Okada you know, technically, I guess, won that evil feud. That's that's a, a wrinkle that I didn't think about until I just started looking at the bracket. Well, there's also the storyline that evil has at least two or three pinfall wins over Okada, like in G1 or like non-title situations. Yeah. So they've always weave, woven that story in that, okay, well, he beat Okada, but evil beat Okada a couple times too. So it's not like it's uh, it can't happen, but it's uh, the, based on the facts, they want us to think that it's a possibility. Um, Just okay, one look. more hypothetical scenario for you. Sure. What if Evil lost to Shingo and in a fit of jealousy caught J- cost Jay White his match, leading to a match between the two at Dominion? That's very... I don't see it being as histrionic as that because there's no crowd or the crowds aren't as big. So I think they... if. If they were going to go for something like that, I feel like Sonata has to be involved because if they want people to go wild, people are going wild for Sonata out of all these guys in a babyface kind of way. But all right, let's get Parker's thoughts and then we will move on to uh, to predictions. And and Andy, I don't know if you're even you know interested in in, in chatting, but let me know if if you want to chime in as well. But go ahead, Parker. Oh yeah, no, I'll I'll have something. In- okay, then you go after Parker. Just making sure I'm audible. Everybody hears me, right? Yes, you're good. Okay, great. Good go. All right. So, yeah, my, my thought, um, I would be shocked if uh, – oh, I don't sound very good, do I? Or do I? You're fine. Just go for okay. it. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. All right. Um, yeah, so I would be shocked if it ends up being what Justin said it's going to be um, with the Evil and Sonata because, number one, we got that match in – at at Wrestle Kingdom, so we've already seen that this year. Um, I don't think Sonata has, like, any chance at all of making the finals, because we already got Sonata versus Ibushi, um, and we got Sonata in the G1 finals last year, and he got that major singles match at Wrestle Kingdom, so I think they're ready for a fresh face out there, and the other evidence is like like Garrett was kind of talking about, that Shingo win over Okada is so big that I don't know, just for the heat of getting evil out there, I'm not sure that that would be, you know, the move, right? So I'm I'm like 70, 80% sure it's going to be Osprey versus Jingo in the finals. I think Jay White's going to win. 
um, his match, and then I think Osprey will beat Jay White, which you can do. Osprey beat White in the uh, in the G1 last year, and then I'm thinking an Osprey Shingo finals is what we're going to get. With I originally picked Osprey. If I had to change it now, I would say Shingo, but um, I'll stick with Osprey for now. All right, Andy, go for it. Well, I don't have much. I just wanted to say, um, I mean, I've been on the Shingo bandwagon. I called him beating Okada. I'm going to ride this train all the way to the end. You guys have given me a lot to think about uh, in terms of, you know, Will Ospreay. I kind of had written him off a little bit in the Empire. Um, but this New Japan Cup, if you look, um, I don't know if Evil was necessarily like a main event guy when he won. I don't think Zack Sabre Jr. was. And I'm a casual New Japan guy, so... It seems like this is the kind of thing where Shingo, they would want him to win because, I mean, I would be shocked if he ever won a G1 or something like that. So um, he's my pick. I'm riding that one to the end. All right, let's uh, let's run this through the end here with our predictions. If people want to leave their own predictions in the chat, go for it. But um, Justin, give me your prediction and then we'll then we'll go to Chris. We'll go to Jeremy and then um, and then I'll give I'll give my prediction at the end and then we'll end this thing um to lock it in with just one guy you know i just uh, hyped up evil so much but i don't know if i can lock it in and say he's going to win it i mean he already won it last year um i'm gonna say jay white jay white it's it's time for him to to get back into the uh, title or double titles picture whatever they're doing with it now um i think it'd be uh i don't see osprey uh and Shingo Takagi in that position, yeah, I think maybe next year I can see that happening. But uh, I'm going to go with Jay White. So Jay White against Kota in the next big match. Yeah, and they have, you know, their unfinished business. So I can see that happening down the road. And that's another big, like, main event feel uh, situation that they could push for either another Wrestle Kingdom or another big uh, event coming this year, whatever. Oh, they, they got the uh, Grand Slam events. They got another Tokyo Dome coming up this year. They're That's gonna, crazy. They're going to open the. Uh, they're going to open the dome. It's going to. They're going to do it like a baseball game. So you're out. You're outside. Yeah. And I'm sure they want something like. Is anyone going to do a suplex on second base? Oh, I don't know. I'm just curious <laughs> what Toriano's going to do. <laughs> um, he almost right, so- got uh, killed by the smoke machine at the last. Uh, the, what was it? Uh, the, the baseball stadium they did uh, earlier this year. God, I'm uh, Jingu Stadium. Excuse me. Yeah. Anyway. All right, Chris, your your prediction here. Um. Ah, oh, man. I really want Shingo to win in my heart, but I'm going to go uh, with Switchblade as well because I agree that uh, it's time to get him back up there because they're always they always. <laughs> Um, like we talked about earlier, they're they're really conservative and they always push him really hard. And he already he lost um, at the dome and kind of needs a shot in the arm probably. And so um, I'm going to go with Switchblade. All right, and Jeremy, you're still going Osprey, right? Osprey's winning it. And he's taking it from Coda, the first title defense Dakota has. Oh my god! Whoa! Bold prediction. Take. Like it. Wow. All right. Uh, Paul Paul wanted to jump in and give his quick quick prediction. Yeah, I, I go with Jay White, I think, uh, because they got to sell as many tickets to the Dome, and he's probably the best option against Tabushi. So, yeah, I'll go Jay White. And I think that was my pick in the bracket. So as bad as I'm doing, I think I'm 31st out of 32. But <laughs> maybe, I'll get, maybe I'll get the winner. Okay, so I won't go back. So I did two brackets. In one bracket... I had uh, Evil and Okada, and obviously that that didn't fare well. But in the second bracket that I did for Chris Samsa's uh, bracket, I had Evil and Osprey, and so I had Osprey winning. I'll just stick with that. Um, but I think I think this does make a, a really intriguing Final Four, especially if. We don't like I think we have mixed opinions on who we think is winning. And that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing because the intrigue will stay there. This isn't like, you know, when we think that there's like eh, maybe two people who could win the Royal Rumble and one of those two people win. Like there's actually some intrigue going into the final. So thanks for everybody th- or thanks to everybody for jumping on. I just quickly want to point out um, Paul and and uh, Parker will be back on the Patreon on Wednesday night after both uh, after AEW's done and they will have their uh, new show on the Patreon the Dynamite show 
So they, I think this is like episode four or something. So it's still, still pretty new. It's a half an hour, quick thoughts on the AEW show. Uh, and then also, as I said, Justin has his show that goes up tonight. Um, and Andy and Keela will be back Sunday night after a WWE fast lane for break it down where they recap that pay-per-view. Um, and then, yeah, so, uh, oh, also forgot to mention Carlos, who, who we heard from in the AEW and NXT segment, his show with uh, Robert Silva called Pound for Pound will be up on uh, on uh, Wednesday night. And they are going to talk a lot about, you know, Marvelous Marvin Hagler. That, that's another locker room I, I wish I would have done, and maybe I can still do it. Uh, you know, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, one of you know, one of the most famous boxers in, in all the world. And he passed away just this weekend. So they're going to talk about Marvin Hagler. I'm sure they're going to talk about uh, Joshua and, uh, and Fury as well. So the Patreon, check it out. Patreon.com front slash fight game media. Uh, we got a, a, a few subscribers last night because of our new Q and a with Dave Meltzer, where all the questions come from the Facebook group or from the Patreon members. So we do fun stuff like that. We're going to get a big zoom chat going pretty soon with all the subscribers. And so if you are interested, there's two tiers, there's a two ninety nine tier and you can read what you get on that tier. And then there's a seven ninety nine tier. And so, uh, check it out. Give us a shot. And if you uh, like it, uh, great. If you don't, send me some feedback. GG at fightgamemedia.com. But to everybody, thanks for jumping on. This was a lot of fun. Uh, I'll see you when we see you. Peace out. See ya.